Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Sean Finder. Sean is the CEO and co-founder of AutoClose, a revolutionary sales automation platform that is used by 3,000 plus sales professionals around the world to help them save hours a day and automate the tedious tasks salespeople do on a regular day. AutoClose features automated lead generation software, an emailed campaign management tool, and various different CRM integrations. You can start automating your sales process to help generate new sales opportunities by configuring a customer profile and scheduling an email campaign. It's that simple. Sean, pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Morgan. I'm doing, I'm doing great. I think, as I mentioned, I'm looking forward to the big basketball game here in Toronto. There you tonight. go. Besides that, everything is going well. Hopefully we can win one. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds good. Good luck. You have a very interesting background. Can you kind of walk us through that and how it's led to what you're doing now over at AutoClose? Yeah, for sure. So when I was younger, um, I was a former high-level competitive tennis player. So I had a world ranking in tennis as high as 180 in the world and was teaching tennis for about seven years every summer with our national team here in Canada. What happened after that was I was doing my MBA actually in finance, got a finance degree, and then was working finance for a few years and realized I'd go on, my ele- on the elevator to work and everyone would just stare at the computer screen or the screen, sorry, in the elevator and realized finance uh, and working for the big banks here in Canada was not for me, which led me to um, an offer to be a VP of sales um, for a computer software company in Toronto. And what I did then was... Uh, worked with a team. I had four people under me, and you know we were purchasing data and trying to find how we can get leads for the sales team to start selling their software and hardware that we were selling. It's actually email archiving, and I found the data quality and stuff that we found and we were using with our sales team was really inaccurate, which then brought me the idea of um, building a data company. So we built the data company from the ground up, and then that was about four and a half years ago parlayed that into AutoClose, which is the sales automation platform we have today with the data from the initial data company inside the platform. So we basically put it all into one solution to help consolidate things for salespeople. Awesome. Very interesting. I'd like to know, what are some things that you learned building that data company from the ground up that you kind of took with you to AutoClose? What are some lessons you learned? Well, a few lessons I learned is um, you need a team behind you to be successful. 
and you need to have a, a good team. So it's it's better to it's it's best to hire um, good people that are willing to learn than just to hire somebody that might have the skills needed for the job. So initially with the data company, another thing we found was you know there's always going to be problems in business. So every day you wake up, nothing's ever going to run perfectly. So if you go into work and you think everything's going to be run perfectly, it's just not going to happen. So I think a lot of the the stuff that we learned was. It, Things take time and you got to have a process behind that to make it really successful. We brought all those lessons that we really learned in that first business, which still runs today, but throwing that all into the second business, I believe we did learn a lot of the early mistakes we had on with the first business. Awesome. Very interesting. So I'd like to know what trends are you seeing in the marketplace now in marketing and sales technology? Uh, what's really caught your eye? What are you interested in? What's got your attention? So there's three things that I would say are really trends that right now that a lot of people, if they're not implementing in their strategy, they need to be. Now, one is video. Video be- is becoming more and more important. And I'm not just talking doing video for a LinkedIn post, et cetera. I mean, even in your email campaigns, doing a more personalized video. Because what that's going to lead to is my second trend is self-branding. So you want to be doing these videos and inside your personal email, we use Vidyard, for example, or even as LinkedIn to teach and show value to people on the LinkedIn community because all your buyers are there. But video and the self-branding aspect is huge because now there's so many people that are selling the same thing. There's so many CRM companies. There's so many marketing automation companies. There's so many data companies. Yep. But the ones that are successful are the ones that are always in front of their potential buyer. And by doing that and by providing value and showing a face to the company um, really helps. There's some great companies that are doing it great online right now. But I've been telling a lot of people when I've been doing a lot of talks and stuff to really start getting involved and start getting involved in your self-branding because your self-branding will only lead to better success in your company. And the last one was consolidating tools. I find a lot of uh, sales leaders... Uh, when they're choosing the right tool now, the trend that's going is they don't want just a CRM. They don't want just a data company. They want a tool that could be a sales engagement tool that integrates with your CRM, that has the data all in one place so that salespeople don't have to have 14 to 16 tabs at the top and have to pick through each one to put into their CRM, to put in their marketing funnel, to figure out where they have to make that cold call. So consolidation of tools is I think a lot of sales leaders are starting to look at for their SDRs especially. Mm, nice. I'd like to address these in, in the order you gave them. I think they're all really great points. Starting with video, how can sales reps get started with video? Yeah, actually one thing we did inside our platform was we partnered with a company called Vidyard. And there's a lot of companies that do video, but Vidyard's great because you can embed those videos right inside your email. And why that's really good, especially for salespeople is, you will actually receive an email from Vidyard telling you how much of the video that prospect watched. So why is that important? Because if you have prospect A that watched 95% of your video and prospect B that watched 14% of your video, well, we know who you should be spending your time with. And funny enough, I I actually saw a statistic this morning. It said salespeople spend 95% of their time with prospects that actually are not going to buy. So Vidyard... Video is a great one. And LinkedIn, I mean, everyone now on their phone, we bought one of those tripods for 30 bucks at the office and you could literally put your phone up and whatever comes to mind, create a video. If you think it's going to be engaging and you think it's going to provide value to the LinkedIn community or to your prospect buyers, do a quick video. You don't have to put a script together. Just do a quick video, post it on LinkedIn. 
and start building your own and your self-branding on LinkedIn. So there's many ways right now that you get really involved in video. I think the first thing that comes to people's minds is when it comes to video is like, you know, what do I say? Even if it's a short, quick video, how can I create something compelling? Are there any sort of, you know, rules of thumb you go by when it comes to video content that you make, whether you're making it for LinkedIn or whether you're doing it for a specific prospect to win a deal? Are there any steps you follow there, kind of high level bullet points? Yeah. So, you know, funny enough, the one thing I think I, when I started really starting video and I was doing exactly what you said, I'd be like doing a script and then being like, okay, I'm going to say this or writing on like a whiteboard. And then when I do the video, I do like five takes to make sure the video was perfect. My hair was perfect. But the best videos now are the ones that there's no script and you just put the video on and do it. No matter if you're walking to your car, you're in your car, you're in your boardroom. So don't be scared to get in front of the camera. Don't be scared, you know, not having the right things to say. Just put the video on and do it. And to that point, don't talk about your product and don't try and sell on the video. The one number one mistake people write in emails, calling, et cetera, is they talk too much about themselves. Try and think of, what your prospects can find valuable. So let me just give you an example here for myself. Our sales platform has people that do cadences and follow-ups. So what might be of value to them is if I did a video talking about the 14 best templates or or pros and cons or the best templates I've seen. Because my buyers can resonate to that by finding out, oh, what is the best template? What is the best subject line that really converts? So stuff like that. And don't go on and just say, my product is this and come to my webinar next Thursday. <laughs> right. And there's a lot of that going on, right? A lot of webinars. Oh, that um, never stops. <laughs> I love it. So just kind of go straight off the dome, no script, and just spit value, right? Just give your prospects what they're looking for. Don't hard sell, but pull out the value of your product or service and, and just lead with that. Okay, awesome. Self-branding. Can you kind of pop into that one just like you did with the video and we can like take it from there? Yeah. To hear about so, that. so self-branding is extremely important. A lot of people nowadays, I mean, it's probably the biggest thing. If you go on LinkedIn, there are actually, uh, I'll shout someone out, but the marketing team at Drift, for example, does a really good job on LinkedIn and they provide a lot of value. But um, getting your name, like when I think of Drift marketing, I think of, you know, Dave. So you want to almost have that self-branding on LinkedIn. So when people think of your company, they're going to think of you. So not necessarily building the brand of your company nowadays. It's more building your personal brand. For example, you know, Morgan and the podcast here, you know, you're building your personal brand by running a podcast like this. And I think not everyone can run a podcast, but you can still put in videos, provide content to the community. So people, when they are deciding between maybe signing up with company A, B, or C, and they recognize company B and seen posts by that person and, and value that that person has driven all over the community and the social community, um, they're more likely to buy from the person that has that self-branding than the other two that they might not have heard, I've seen or heard of on any of the social channels. Mm-hmm. I think it's great now because you can really go with the format that you're most comfortable with and that you're strongest in, right? If you're someone who enjoys talking on the phone or is, is more of a likes having conversations, you know, podcasting would be for you. Or if, if you're someone who is just gravitates more toward video, you know, you got that. And of, of course, there's writing, which will always be strong and, and you can do on several different platforms. So yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. And would you say with personal branding, is that 
I mean, just really people should focus on just kind of being themselves and, and communicating and trying to give value and just showing their personality. Would would you agree? You yeah. Think? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree. I, I even find that sometimes, for example, you might be on a sales call with somebody or you might be speaking to somebody and asking, you know, I'm following up on a quote. Any situation you are in any business or any sales, there's many other people that are in the same situation. So, for example, if I was on a podcast today with you and this podcast just went terrible, I can, you know, it was, it was a terrible podcast. We had audio issues, this and that. I can go on LinkedIn and just talk about my experience on a podcast because if I'm doing having the same issues, you know, so what's going to happen? You can go on LinkedIn and say, you know what? I was on a podcast and we had an audio issue. Oh, and this was the lessons I learned. And just by doing something real time, real life, you can get an audience because people are all going to be in the same situation. People are always going to get rejected from cold emails. People are going to get rejected on the phone. People are going to be successful on the phone. So talk about the wins, the losses, the stuff you learned, and that'll help build yourself, Brandy. But just don't even think of what you're going to say. Just go out and just do it. I love that. Yeah. And sales is one of those nerve wracking things where there's a lot of ups and downs. And when you're in it, a lot of times you feel like you're all alone and like you're the only one that goes through slumps or you're the only one who gets rejected a lot. And in actuality, it's happening to a lot of people, right? And even the best salespeople find success from, you know, winning a minority of the deals that they're in or um, having positive conversations with the people they speak with. having positive outcomes, I should say. So all that being said, yeah, I mean, I really love that. Just talking about what's happening to you and using that to connect with others. Third, you had consolidating tools. Let's chat about that. Yeah. So the consolidation of tools is salespeople. I speak to them all the time. Even I just hired a a VP of sales about eight months ago. And his first thing was like, what's your CRM you're using? What's marketing tool you're using? What cold calling tool you're using? There's so many tools out there that the best and the most successful companies are the ones that consolidate everyone. So sales leaders, when they're looking to decide between company A and B, they're looking for consolidation. So for example, with us, the reason why we built AutoClose was because people had to come buy the data off us and then they had to go somewhere else to send emails. So why not put it all in one place where people can actually send the emails and search a database under one roof? It's Mm -hmm. like, let's say you want to get a manicure and a pedicure, but imagine you have to go to get a manicure somewhere and then a girl had to go 10 minutes away to get a pedicure. It's the same thing as consolidating under one roof. The same thing is with softwares and sales tools is consolidation of all the tools on one roof are are becoming a bigger trend. And I guess I see this continuing because it does make sales teams easier when they can go into one place, log in with one username, one password, and do everything they need to do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I imagine two big things with that, when you have tools that aren't consolidated, I know at least from my experiences, the more different kind of uh, pots you're dipping into, the greater the chance that you have inaccurate information that's being you know transferred from one tool to the other. And also speed. Speed you know, time kills deals in sales, right? And we're always, we're always trying to get faster than what we're doing. And being able to get information on prospects and immediately communicate with them as fast as possible is something that salespeople who are developing themselves are always trying to get better at and become more competent at. So I can definitely see the value there for sure. I'm curious, what types of feedback have you gotten from your customers just in any sort of 
use cases, success stories that you've heard or anything that's kind of, you know, in your conversations with customers or even your team that you've heard that sounds interesting? Yeah. So I find that, you know, now that we have a lot of our team on social, so we try and get them to post, for example, like six to eight things on LinkedIn a day, and they don't have to take more than five minutes. We find a lot of our prospects, because we add them all on LinkedIn or our clients even, a lot of our salespeople do make it a lot of success because we're hearing a lot of feedback saying, you're always on my newsfeed. Your company mm-hmm. auto, auto close is always at the top of my newsfeed and you're always providing great content. Like we, I posted just a, a sales tip two hours ago and a comment from a prospect 15 minutes later on my LinkedIn was, keep the tips coming. I've been providing to my team. So I find the trends right there is, you know, just continue to post, continue to engage and your prospects will, will appreciate the help you're giving them and the tips you're giving them on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think that's great that you have that mandate in place because I've heard just talking with others, like it's very difficult to prospect on social media. If your company, it doesn't have, you know, social prospecting or social selling within its DNA, or, you know, the company isn't pushing for it. It's really hard for a salesperson to a lot of times do that on their own. If they're trying to keep up with other KPIs, like cold calls or cold emails. Absolutely. So do you have a system for tracking that? Just curious how, when did you really start putting the pedal to the metal on social selling or engaging socially, having your sales team reach out or get out into the marketplace that way? And and kind of how did the results come from there? So funny enough, this actually happened before we launched AutoClose. Me personally, and at that point, I had another one salesperson at that point because it was working with the other company. But about eight months before I even launched AutoClose, we built a landing page. It's a simple landing page talking about what we were building. And we were like, okay, well, we want to start getting people to sign up and get interested in AutoClose. How are we going to do that without having a product? So we actually started posting stuff, surveying stuff, speaking to people on LinkedIn eight months before we even launched the product. And how we did that was we had them come to our landing page. We talked about stuff and then we got their email. Once we had their email, which we got from social selling on LinkedIn, we built an email database and we actually had them walk through the building of AutoClose. So when we were at a step, we're like, should we go A or B? Should we integrate with HubSpot or Salesforce? We would then send our mailing list. Hey, how many people use Salesforce? How many people use HubSpot? So we actually built a community on, on social by asking them for feedback and doing surveys to help us build our product. And then when the launch day came, Everybody on LinkedIn, you know, I think we had about 31,000 followers at that point. Everyone on LinkedIn was giving their feedback and engage. And because they felt like they were part of the build, they all were really part of our successful launch. And from that point on, I made it mandatory that all people, all my salespeople, even when we post a blog, um, we have in our Slack channel, it says hashtag upvote content. And everybody in our team goes and likes and shares and starts a conversation in it. So we're all, even our support team come on. And they really get engaged in social. So we learned at an early stage, luckily, before we even launched AutoClose about how important social was. And we just kept the ball rolling because if something's working, what I say is you double down on the things that work and you slow down on the things that don't work. Mm, I love that. And so you put up that initial landing page. You drove traffic to that page by posting helpful content, interacting with your target audience, and they found the landing page and, and signed up. And Instead of just sitting on that list until you launched and just saying, hey, we're here, you you know, essentially co-created the product with your audience. 
which which I find remarkable. Were there any things that people suggested during that process that you were thinking uh, that surprised you or, or any sort of requests or pain points people had that you didn't foresee when you first envisioned the product? A hundred percent. When we were talking with integrations and all this other, I mean, even though we're a year and a half in now, we still ask our users and our clients for what product we're building next. So for example, we're going to redo our dashboard and we wanted to know, and this is an example I'll give you right now. We want to know what is the most important to a salesperson, the time of day people are opening their emails, the day of the week they're opening their emails, the state in the US they're opening their emails, the link they're clicking in their emails. And what we did was we built 18 different stats that we can track. And we asked each one of our clients, pick your top three. And basically what we did was out of those 18, we found out that eight of the 18 were very important to people. So those are now the eight that we actually build on our new dashboard that's currently in development. So we still to this day will ask, what CRM do you want to integrate with? Salesforce, Zoom, uh, Zoho, Sugar, et cetera. And whatever our clients tell us, that goes into our Trello board, into our priority list. And that's who we build features and everything with an autoclose. It's not what we want. It's what our clients want. So that, that constant feedback loop is alive and well. Yep, exactly. I'd like to hear kind of what happened after, you know, you built the list, kind of co-created it with the audience, you launched. Kind of what happened after that and like what kind of phases did the company go through during and after the launch? So what happened was initially when we started, there was two of us. We were two of us in the boardroom in our office downtown Toronto. And within our first launch day, I think we had 420 people book a demo. Now, there was only two of us. So (laughs) what happened was we were doing it. And and funny story, my VP of sales, he's still with me. He actually, the first night after lunch, when he saw the when he saw his calendar, he told me, he goes, Sean, please go to Walmart and send me adult diapers because I don't think I have time to go to the bathroom for the next yeah, right. month. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was we had a big peak. And because we did that, and I should have prepared myself lesson learned, we only had two of us. We had to hire two people within actually I had to get two of my friends that were currently just unemployed, not working. I said, Hey, you need to come in the boardroom. I'm gonna pay you this. Just come on, you have to do these demos. And we did I had to teach them the product right away. So we had a quick 430 demos, like really, and it started off the business. We were cash flow positive within our first three months, but then we kind of hit the peaks. And I have four salespeople, but we don't have 420 booked. We maybe have you know 90 to 100 a month. So we had that peak. The launch was really successful because of that landing page eight months before. It started to slow down a little bit because it started to become like uh, you know June, July last year, where it uh, the summer months are a little bit slow. And then actually about three months ago, it just started to really ramp up again. And what we did throughout the whole time was another tip that I learned from my first business was continue to build your product and the clients will come instead of wait for the clients to come and then build your product. So we keep throwing out new features every two weeks. And because we keep doing that, our clients are all more engaged now. So with this business, we went more product centric. And with my first business, like, okay, let's get some revenue and have the client sign up. And then when we make 20 new clients, we'll build a new feature. But here we actually went the opposite and it's been, uh, it's been really successful. So you're constantly obviously looking for feedback from your current customers, but then using that feedback, working that into the product and, and using those features as essentially a, a marketing tool. Yeah. So see. basically our clients determine our roadmap. Got it. I love that. It's kind of the the opposite, like you were saying, of um, the traditional approach, but I'm sure it's very refreshing because 
as someone who has a problem that a piece of software can solve, there's really no better feeling than stumbling across it and seeing immediately, you know, yep, that's it. That I've been looking for something exactly like this. So I love that approach, definitely. So what's kind of on the roadmap for the future with AutoClose and where do you see the company going and where's your kind of focus at right now with AutoClose? So right now, um, we're currently continuing to build features. Um, one direction we are going, and it's because just recently we had some interest, was a lot of CRM companies are reaching out to us because they want to embed AutoClose inside of their software. So we're currently, um, oh, nice. one of the big, big things in the next six weeks, actually, um, over the next three sprints, we call it, um, we are currently building out somewhere where you can actually, in a CRM, you can put a button that says Outreach. And that button will link directly into AutoClose. We're working with a lot of partners because ideally, marketing-wise, you put a link to AutoClose inside all these different CRMs. Basically, you don't even need salespeople. They're going to be selling it for you because people are going to go in and see it. So partnerships is something we're really working on. And then we're continuing to work on our A-B testing. And we're looking to, in Q3, Q4, start adding a different approach inside. Because right now, we're only really email-centric. But we want to add that calling aspect as well as social. So we're looking really hard at some good LinkedIn integrations, because I believe social works really well for us. And if you can add social to your email cadences, that could be very strong for a lot of salespeople. Absolutely. Using that combo approach to get attention and get in front of people. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Sean, it's been so great speaking with you. How can people get a hold of you if you have questions about what you've talked about on the show today or or interested in in trying out AutoClose? Yeah. So if you want to try out AutoClose, you can actually just go to autoclose.com, give it a try for 14 days. We have some videos on there as well. If you want to get in touch with me and you have any questions about anything with sales, growing a company, entrepreneur, how to get started, um, any of the stuff that we've done, you can email me at sean at autoclose.com. And that's his S-H-A-W-N, because I know there's a few different ways to spell Sean. Um, One thing I would say is follow me on LinkedIn, follow our company autoclose on LinkedIn and follow Sean Finder on LinkedIn because we post everything there, even this podcast, everything will go on social. As I said, social is very big. And lastly, we just recently published a sales handbook. So if you're looking for a really good B2B sales handbook to talk about what are the best blogs to follow, the best podcasts like Morgan's podcast today to follow, other tips and tricks on subject lines and stuff, we have a free B2B sales handbook. You can get it on our website. You can email me and I'll send it directly to you. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us today, Sean. Really do appreciate it. And uh, you have a great rest of your day and good luck in the game. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.